Hey everybody, I'm, uh, I'm Dan, and uh, grateful to be with you today. Can we do something really quick? Um, you know what I'm going to have you do, but I just want to tell you a story. There was a guy in our first service who came up to me after the service, and he said, hey, I'm from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I've been watching with Heartland for a year. I grew up in Olathe, and I'm back seeing my mom, and I couldn't wait to come visit in person. And today really marked me as some special moment. Can we just say amazing for that? And to, to all of you who are watching... <clears throat> online, wherever you are. We believe God is working in your life and we're grateful to be a part of it and to welcome you into this experience right now as well. Hey, open up your Bibles to John chapter 9. I've got a pathway for you today that I want to share with you. We've been going through this series on uh, ancient pathways. These are, these are paths that God has blazed to us, trails that God has blazed to us to help us walk towards him. Things like uh, reading scripture and praying to him and being in community with one another. And I'm not going to tell you what our pathway is today until like in the middle of the message because if I told you right now, you'd all get up and leave and say, nope, not me, I'm out, sorry. Do I have your attention? Okay, uh, but, but, but I, I want to let you know this. You're all already on this path. Just by virtue of being alive, virtue of you know, having a pulse, you are on this path already. And this is a path that I've learned that as, I, as I've grown in my walk with the Lord and I've kind of like understood what it means for me to live the Jesus first life, I've, every time I've looked at this path and actually taken steps down this path, every single time I have felt closer to Jesus. Every single time. This is a path that answers a lot of the big questions in life. Not the questions like, will the Chiefs win the Super Bowl? That one's settled. That's a little question. We know that one's settled, right? I mean, that's a, that's a done deal. Amen? <laughs> I'm asking about like the big questions, the real questions, the, the, the heart check questions. This is a path that a answers the questions like, um, does my life even matter? If I were to die today, what difference would my life make? How will I talk to my kids and my grandkids about the life I lived. How will my grandkids look at me as they hear the stories of my life? This ancient path we have before us today brings into focus questions about our past. Where do I come from and what have I done? Questions about our present. Who am I? What's my calling? What's my purpose? And questions about our future. Where am I going? What's about to take place? And so um, to get us into this path, there's a story in John chapter 9. Uh, it, that, that's John, not, you know, John's got four Johns. John, 1st John, 2nd John, and 3rd John in the Bible. This is the one without the numbers. So if you're Googling it, John 9. Um, there's a story here that gives us a glimpse as to what this path looks like. It's an incredibly unique story. I want to read it to us and kind of get, get us into this moment together. Are you all ready to uh, maybe have your lives wrecked by God? That's what I'm hoping for. I'm not exaggerating. I hope that today in looking at his word, he might do something in us that changes us. So let's, let's jump in. He says this, as, as Jesus went along. Everybody say this next couple of words with me. He saw a man blind from birth. Thanks to like the seven of you who helped. <laughs> his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man? or his parents, that he was born blind. Now, I love this story for so many reasons, but, but chief among them is the attention to detail and the irony that John puts in this story. He says, as Jesus went along, Jesus saw a man who could not see. Right from the beginning, there's a power dynamic that's, that's set up. Jesus saw a man who himself could never see. 
I've read a lot of the Bible, and one of the things about John that I love about his writings is that John always uses this word saw, see, to, to, to mean not just the physical world around you, but a deeper spiritual reality. Whenever John write, writes about anyone seeing something, it's this deeper thing, it's this deeper reality. It's like, it's like um, when you went on your first date with that special someone, you saw into their eyes, but you saw into their eyes. You know what I mean? Like there's something deeper going on there. And John is kind of like, Jesus saw that there was a man who was blind from birth, but he also recognized, he knew something. He, he, had, he knew something about this man that, that nobody else knew, which is a good thing because his disciples ask a question. It's a pretty rude question. I mean, think about this. They, they, they look at the man born blind and they put Jesus to the test right in front of everybody and they say, hey, Rabbi, who sinned? Which is a great question. You ever had anybody like out you in front of everybody else? Like, hey, did this guy over here sin or not? I've never had that happen to me. I can imagine how embarrassing that would be to have that happen to me. But this happens to this man. They stop and they look at him and they say, who sinned, Jesus, this man or his parents that he should suffer with this disability? Now, um, this is a huge question for some of us right now. Maybe you're in a moment of pain or trial or loss. Perhaps like this man, you yourself have dealt with a long-term disability, whether that was physical or mental. In fact, this past week, um, I think it was Tuesday, marked um, the International Disability Awareness Day, where cities around the globe stopped and remembered that 15% of people on this planet suffer from some sort of long-term disability. 15%, that's one out of every seven people has some sort of physical or emotional, emotional or intellectual disability. And we all have our way of trying to make sense of this pain. Maybe if you're one of these people, you've, you've asked God this question, why am I like this? Why have you done this to me? And we try and make sense of this problem by putting it on God. We're saying, why, God, would you let this happen to me? Why, God, what did I do that would deserve this? Job in the Bible is this guy who has an enormous amount of suffering and all of his friends get around him to cheer him up. And, and their cheering up session results in this. Job, there's some secret sin in your life that you haven't told us about. Surely that's the only explanation for why this would have happened to you. So what's the sin, Job? And I wonder for you, if you can hear the question of the disciples ringing over this man born blind about who sinned, this man that he was born blind or his parents that God would punish them with a kid that had no eyesight, and you would hear your own story kind of ringing in the background saying, God, why? I've asked that question, why? Which is it? If we think about this from the perspective of the man born blind, he is a beggar who has been cognizant of the fact that his whole entire life he has had some sort of deficiency he himself has asked that question, why God? And rabbi after rabbi would stop with his followers and, and they would ask him and put him to the test and ask, hey, well, what do you say about God? What type of God do you have who would make this person born blind? Was it a God punishing parents or a God punishing this child who apparently sinned before he was ever, 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 ever even born? This is the way we approach these questions in life. This is the way we often approach ourselves. You see, what was happening here is that the world had given this man a script to make sense of his life. The world had given him a script. 
That's a, world, a word I borrow from like the mental health world of a script. It's this um, idea, this, this meaning, that, that the sense of these parts that we pick up in our lives as a means of making sense of the world we live in. They're messages that we receive that form our worldview, and then from our worldview, they form our identity. And here's the thing about scripts. We all got them. Even you who are thinking, I don't have one of those. You got a script, maybe two or three or four. Um, I was preparing to share this message uh, this weekend, or this, this weekend, and this week I was talking to some friends about it and saying, you know, I'm going to try and help, help our church understand that all of us, we, we pick up these scripts in life. And I'm just curious, could you tell me yours? And without blinking, two of my friends told me these stories. One, one of them said, well, here, here's my script. He said, my parents got divorced when I was really little. And it was hard for them. Everything around me was falling apart. And I realized that it wasn't my fault. But I also, if I was really good, it made their life better. He said, so I tried really hard to get good grades. And I tried really hard to make the team. But not just make the team, be the best player so that my parents had something to be proud of. But what it ended up doing in my heart was pushing me towards achievement and achievement and achievement. And I started to become filled up by how I could perform. And all of a sudden, it led to this quest, this never-ending quest to do more and more and more. And I became exhausted. That's one script. Another one of my friends, she told me this. She said, you know, I wasn't the kid who performed. That was my sister. My sister was the one who um, was a straight-A student, but I was never going to be that. She said, so um, what I realized I could do is I could be the funny one. I could be the one who would make everybody laugh and make you feel good when I was around. And so I, I started to play that part. I started to, every time I was in a social interaction, try to just lift people up and make people feel good. But then I realized I started to become part of my identity was what I could give to other people. And it made me into a really big people pleaser. Now, I don't know what your script is, but we all have scripts. It's a story that we're handed by the things that happened to us. This man in John chapter 9 was born blind. That was his script. And the world assumed that God was punishing him for a sin that he had committed. And this was his script. He was the product of sin and shame. I want you to see in the next verse how Jesus answers this question. Because if you've ever dealt with this, you've always wondered, what is it, God? Why is it? And Jesus' answer in John chapter 9, verse 3 is so illuminating for us. It is so freeing for us. I want you to see it. I don't want you to leave out here today without recognizing the why here of what Jesus says. He, he looks at them all and he says, um, not his parents and not him. Rather, this has happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus takes the third option, which is totally like Jesus. He says, you're trying to make sense of this man's life the wrong way. This man is the way he is because God has something he's going to show you through him. This man who can't see is about to show you all something so that you can see. And here's how he does it. Jesus kneels on the ground and he spits into the dust and he forms mud with his spit. I don't want you right now to think about how much spit that would take to form mud from your spit. Don't think about it. It's really disgusting. Don't, please. He takes this mud, he puts it on the eyes of the man and he tells him to go wash it off in the closest pool. It's ironically called soloam, which John tells us means scent. So Jesus anoints the man's eyes and he sends him out to obey his word and we find in John chapter 9, verse 7, that the man went and he washed and he came 
back seeing. Right. And not LASIK, not corrective lenses, with some mud and some words and some steps of faith, Jesus changed everything about this man's life. And he changed everything about the way the world assumed about this man's script. This man was changed by Jesus. He had a whole new experience. New possibilities opened up to him for gainful employment or relating deeply with his family. I think about his parents who were on the other side of this who sinned equation. I think about the shame that they'd carried their whole life. I think about the fact that their whole life they had been caretakers for their son. They'd never had that experience to watch him go off and flourish on his own. And now, because of the work of Jesus, what did this say about God and themselves and the forgiveness that they had experienced? They had a lifetime of suffering which was just transformed before their very eyes and in the very eyes of their son. You see, when God moves in your life, he flips your scripts. He says, no longer do you need to live your life trying to make sense of it all. You've met me. You've seen my power. You followed my voice. The world gave you a script, but I'm not doing a script thing. I'm writing a story in you. The world gave this man a script, but Jesus gave this man a story. A story and a script, they sound a lot alike, but one is way better than the other. A script is imposed upon us by other people. A story is something that God leads us into. A story is written in us by God. A script is a part in a play that informs your reactions to events, but a story is not reacting to the past, but recognizing that God can answer the why questions in our lives by saying, just watch me. See what I'm going to do in you to help you see what you cannot see as I write your story. I wonder if this describes you when you met Jesus. Like if there's a part of you in this story that you already resonate with. I don't know what the script was that you lived your life by. Maybe your script was this, you're the good kid. You're the friendly one. People need you. You have to be the strong one for your family. You'll always be alone. You're only as good as your last show. You are your worst moment. You were a mistake. You were born in sin. Those are some of the scripts that we've played out in our own hearts and we've all picked up at least one of these scripts at one point in our life. Scripts are painful and limiting. But when you came to Jesus, you found out that God loved you beyond your script. And you met Jesus, his radical love and his power. You heard that Jesus was God's way of telling us that, that he was for us, not against us. That God, as Jesus came from heaven to earth and lived us, lived among us, displayed his glory. And one of the, the greatest miracles that he did was the moment that he became all of our scripts upon the cross. That he went to the cross and willfully laid down his life and he became abandoned. He became rejected. He became abused. He became shamed. He became sin itself. And that moment on the cross that Jesus became all of our scripts is almost as if he was opening up his arms to us and saying to us, 
This is the moment that I'm rewriting history. I'm flipping the script. That if you believe in me, you have access to my transformative power. You don't have to be trapped by the script any longer, but you can live in freedom knowing that God sees you as forgiven, as valued, as loved, as enough, as changed, as holy. This is certainly what this man born blind found out from Jesus when he received his sight. That he was forgiven of whatever sin he had committed because now he could see. His eyes were opened, but his eyes were opened. He saw the world through God's story, not his script. That, I think, is real freedom. To see your life the way that God is writing it, not just the way the world tells you you should live it. Let me just put it down here for us. Why is it that you've gone through what you've gone through in life? Why is it that you've endured what you've endured in life? Why is it that God has led through what he's led you through in your life? It's so that God could show up and show off in you. That's why. And this is our path today. This is the path that I want to lead us to, is to to share our stories so that people see Jesus, our hero. This is the practice of a Jesus first life. This is sharing with others what God has done in my life through Jesus. See, when Jesus flips your script, he writes a new story that he wants you to share with others. And while we don't have time to read the entirety of the rest of the story, uh, what happens next for this man, I just want to just share this with you. On the next three occasions, if you keep reading along, he has opportunities three times to tell his story about how he received his sight and what he knew about Jesus. So the man goes back to his neighborhood and he blows the minds of all of his neighbors who think, funny enough, that he's been scamming them. They look and they go, hey, isn't this a guy that was born blind? Wasn't he begging? Translation, didn't I give you a lot of money? What did you do with that? And some of the neighbors, because this is how neighbors are, they're like, no, 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 it's just someone who looks like him. He must be a secret twin that we didn't know anything about until now. The parents were scamming us. Scandal everywhere. The man says, no, 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 it was me. Jesus put mud on my eyes. I sent one to the, he sent me to the pool. I washed it off and now I can see. And this really tweaked the neighbors, but it really irked the religious leaders. How many people know that religious people can suck the joy out of anything? <laughs> right? Like God does a big work and then religious people are there with their clipboard and their checklist and they're like, wait, 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 wait. This is what happens with this man. Because you see, in the, in the text, um, we find out that Jesus healed the man on the wrong day. Did you know there's a wrong day to be healed? It was the Sabbath. A day when in the Jewish calendar, you weren't supposed to do any work. You're supposed to be holy and just rest. And yet Jesus had healed the man on the Sabbath. And so the religious leaders, they're like, well, this guy, this can't be an authentic healing because no true holy person would ever heal on the Sabbath. We all know that. And so they called the man into a tribunal. They put him on stage. They put him on a testimony stand and said, hey, tell us how you got your eyesight back. And he looks at them and he says, well, the man named Jesus put mud on the ground. He put it on my eyes. He um, uh, told me to go wash. I did. I went and I, I can see. And this just blew their minds that they call in the parents and like, now, was he really blind from birth? And they're like, we're pleading the fits because we heard about you. Ask him, he's old enough. And so they, the second time, they bring him back on the stand. They bring him back into this inquisitive 
uh, moment. And they literally tell him, give glory to God, which means, which is ironic because that's what Jesus was doing in his life anyway, like glorifying himself. But that meant like, tell the truth. Tell the truth. How did you receive your sight? And they say this, they say, we know that this man is a sinner. And this is the moment in the story where the line that you and I all know pops up. It's verse 25, he, he replies, whether Jesus is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, Will you guys say this with me? I was blind, but now I see. <laughs> it occurs to me, you know, sometimes we talk about sharing with others what Jesus has done in our lives and we think we got to have like the Bible figured out word for word. And we got to be able to like defend everything about our, our faith. And yet the one thing that Jesus has given us that is irrefutable by everyone is the fact that he's changed us that God has put inside of you a story of transformation. That here I was blind, but now I see. Now I would argue there's nothing more powerful to a watching world than lives that have been truly transformed by the power of Jesus. When we would just live out our lives and say, listen, I get it. I had a script, Jesus flipped it, and now here's my story. I was blind, now I see. That actually, I think, forms a framework for us that over the next couple of seconds here as we conclude our service, I just want to give you this framework and ask you, how do you fit into it? I was blind, now I see. As you consider this path, this path of sharing your story, I'm curious, have you ever learned how to tell your story? If not, I want to give you this framework right here, right now. It's just three simple moves. It's actually all from this text. I was blind, but now I see. Here's how it goes. It's the old script. I was blind. It's the Jesus flipped, but something happened, and it's the new story. Now I see. I know I just went through that really quickly. I'm going to slow it down for you. Um, the old script. What, what was it in your life that you were believing about yourself that other people had told you was true about you that when you came to Jesus, you found became untrue? It's one of the... the, the um, Miracles of coming to Jesus is that he changes everything about you. He changes the old scripts into new stories. And so the first question I just want to ask you is like, what was your life like when you met Jesus? What, what was going on in your heart? What was going on in your world? What were you believing about yourself? And then he says, but, I was blind, but, this is the Jesus flip. That's not a move you make off of a high dive. <clears throat> That's a, a, a thing that Jesus does in your life that changes everything, the Jesus flip. What, what is it that Jesus flipped in your life? When was that? For me, I think it was uh, April 1st of 2003, a moment where I kind of put my stake in the ground, uh, committed my life to say, Jesus, I don't, I don't understand everything, but I'm going to follow you until you let me down. I don't know if you have a date, maybe you've got a season of life. God is always changing us and moving us and calling us. And so what was going on in your life when Jesus flipped things around for you? And finally, this is a, the, the best part of the whole entire framework is what's your new story? Because Jesus is always writing a new story that he's inviting us to understand. What is it that Jesus has been doing in your life since you came and heard his voice and responded in obedience? What is that? For this man it was, I see, but I'm learning to see. Do you see? Let me... Um, help you understand this because I think whenever I talk about like um, 
sharing your story. Some people think, no thanks, I'd rather like walk over the bridge to Mordor than have to tell someone else like about Jesus. Um, because Jesus today is out. We've been told that faith is private. We've been told that we live in a world that doesn't want us to push our faith upon anybody else. And so we've all come to believe this script about faith that actually faith is best lived out when it's just me and God. But I want you to know Jesus never designed your faith to be personal. Jesus designed your faith to put you in risky situations where it might cost you something for him. Here's what happened to me. Um, I came out to Heartland, I think it was like June 6th. I came out here, it was my first Sunday being introduced to all of you. Um, and and I, I, I came and was so excited, I delivered a message, you know, Mary at the garden, whatever happens, I'm here for it. Yeah, let's go, whatever happens, we're here for it. Remember that? <laughs> I'm still here for it, are you here for it? Okay, good. And, um, and I just had a great day. And then I, um, I had some things I had to take care of around town. And then I um, got in the car and headed back to the airport. And I realized something. I didn't have a chance to eat the whole day. Now, if you look at me, I am burning calories actively at all times. And so I need some sustenance. And I thought to myself, no problem. The Kansas City airport must be just like O'Hare. <laughs> so you know. Okay. I um, got through security. Thank you, God, for a small airport. Except I got to my gate, and the only food options was the Budweiser Cafe. And I could imagine myself spending $24 for a chicken strip. But I thought, you know what? Instead of um, looking at my phone at a seat, I would look at my phone in line as I waited to get some food. Budweiser Cafe was um, like operating at like the highest COVID standards for that day. Um, like they seated like three people in the restaurant that was filled for like 30. And so there's a line, and I just decided to get in line and starting to get closer to my flight, starting to get a little bit more anxious, starting to think I'm not going to get any food. I'm going to be eating pretzels on the plane, and that's going to be terrible. I'm going to be hangry when I get into O'Hare, and then I'm going to see my wife, and this is, you know, this is all going to go bad. Finally, a table opens up right in front of me, and the guy that's next in line turns around to me and says, hey, I know this is weird, but if you're running behind, would you want to sit with me at this table? I mean, we don't have to talk. We just, it'd be a way for you to get your food faster. And I said, sure, that sounds great. And then I immediately thought, what did I just do? <laughs> Eating with strangers in airports, this sounds scandalous. And, but I grabbed our, my bag and I sat down and we ordered our food. And I asked him, I said, what are you doing in Kansas City? And he said, well, I'm here to shoot guns. And that's when I knew I was in real trouble. I was like, man, I'm from Indiana, but that's a, new, that's a new one for me. You flew to Kansas City to shoot guns. Why? He goes, well, I'm, I'm, I'm ex-Marine, which meant I was paying the bill now because that is something I appreciate. I'm ex-Marine, and I'm dating a girl in Kansas, and she actually runs a rifle range, and so on the weekends I fly out here and we shoot together. I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. And he said to me, why are you in Kansas City? And... Um, as a pastor, this is one of like the worst moments. I love Jesus. I'm willing to like take a bullet for Jesus. It would have been better if this Marine would have had me as a target as opposed to ask me this question, why are you in Kansas City? But I swallowed and I said, well, I was actually preaching at a church this morning because I'm going to be moving to Kansas City to become a pastor down here. And I kind of braced for like him to spit in my face or like, you know. And he said, wow, that's so cool. What denomination are you? 
And if you're not a church person, that's just a thing that church people ask. And um, I said, well, I'm, I'm not really a part of any denomination. And he goes, no way, I used to be just like you. <laughs> and I had all these questions. I had all these questions. I wanted to ask him like some follow-ups, but he goes, well, what made you want to be a pastor? And it was this moment right here where I just thought to myself, this is my moment just to share my story, to share what God's done in my life. So I gave him my script flip story. Here's what I said. I said, well, um, great question. Why well, I grew up in a good family. And everybody around me told me that I was a good kid in a good family, in a good neighborhood that had a good future. And so I kept growing up and realized sort of like the dark side of my heart was that I was not so good. Everybody thought I was good. I just wasn't, I, I knew I wasn't good. And one day I made a decision that was pretty bad. And I dealt with that and dealt with the tension in my heart that everybody was telling me I was one way, but then I really realized in my heart I wasn't that way. And then I heard this story about Jesus and how he came to earth, lived, did miracles, died, and rose again so that not good people like me could become good because he was really the only good person all along. And I realized that if I had any chance of actually living the life I wanted, it probably had to do with this Jesus guy. So I started reading the Bible. And I started to realize that Jesus had the only way forward in life to help me make sense of my entire world around me. And so I've just been going with Jesus ever since and just waiting for him to disappoint me. And he hasn't. In fact, what he's done in my heart, this new thing that he's done inside of me, is that he's freed me from the perfectionism and the performance of being good in front of other people. It doesn't bother me now because I've come to terms with the fact that I'm actually not that good. And because I'm not good, he's good. And I can be good from him. This dude starts hearing his plane called. And he grabs my arm. And he says, man, this is crazy. But I literally was thinking today about how I could get back into church. Being a Marine kind of messed me up. And now here I am talking to you. What church do you go to? And so I invited him to Heartland. I said, man, when you're in town, come to Heartland. When you're out of town, watch us online. And y'all, this is crazy, but he's right back there in the, I'm just kidding, he's not here. He's not here, he's not, come on now. Actually, this is, the, this is the real point I want to get to you, is not just for you to see how I share my story, but for you to understand, like, you can share your story, and people probably won't reject you. They'll actually probably lean into you. Because today we live in an age where people are trying to figure out how to get out of the script that they've been given. And Jesus is a great script flipper and a new story writer. And we have in our hearts the actual story that God is writing in the presence of all people. That if we would have the courage to open our mouths and to speak clearly about who he is, we would see him do some incredible Things. Now, um, as we close our service, I want to make this one observation from the text. What happened to me with this man at the airport was not what happened to this man who was in this tribunal, who was having to defend himself from accusations of being connected to Jesus. In fact, this man shared his story, and it went very, very badly for him. And you're like, see, pastor, that's why I don't share my story. It's because it's going to go bad for me. They actually kicked him out of the gathering, and they kicked him out of the town. But I want to show you this one thing. He, he stuck in there with Jesus and this one thing happened. It's so amazing. If we forget this, we, we forget everything. Look at verse, um, I think it's 33. Jesus heard 
that they had thrown him out. So somewhere, Jesus had gone on with his business and someone came back up to him and was like, hey, remember that man who was born blind that you healed his eyesight? Remember him? Man, he's taking a lot of flack because you healed him on the Sabbath. And Jesus hears about this man who stood up to testify about what he did, to tell his story and the punishment, the penalty he was paying for. it. And you know what Jesus said? He said, let's go. Let's go. Let's go find him. And so Jesus hears that they had kicked this man out. And when he found him, because if you take a stand for Jesus, he will find you. He said to this man, do you believe in the son of man? To which this man said, I don't know who this guy is. How can I believe in him? And then one of the greatest lines of the whole entire thing, Jesus looks at this man and he says to him this one line, kind of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. He doesn't throw at him his old script. He shows him the new story. Jesus says to him, you have seen him. Jesus meets him in his miracle and reminds him that your life is now marked by this moment where I flipped everything for you. You have seen him. It's the greatest like wink, wink, nudge, nudge that Jesus could ever throw at him. And the man looks at Jesus and he says, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. See, you don't even have to understand everything about Jesus to share with people what God's doing in your life. He just simply wants you to speak up. So here's what I want us to do right here as we close. I, I just got one second left. Um, would you grab your phone? I'm not gonna make you send anything. I'm not gonna make you do anything. I just want some place where you can capture some thoughts. Just want you to take 60 seconds and write down these three phrases. Old script, Jesus flip, new story. Just grab your notes app, grab your reminders app. If it's an email to yourself, however you just keep track of things in your phone, Evernote, I don't care what it is, just for you. I want you to, to go to this today and to, to ask the question, old script, Jesus flip, new story. I want you to walk out of here today knowing how you can share your story with somebody else. And here's how I want you just to think about it. What was the old script that you believed about yourself? What was it that ever other people told you you were? For you, maybe... It was like me, you're the good kid. For you, maybe it was I was the adventurous kid. For you, I, I don't know what your story is. You know it. Just write down a word or two that'll jog your memory. And then Jesus flipped. When, when was it that Jesus flipped your life around? When did you meet Jesus? What season of life was it? What was going on in that? What, what was happening? Were people accosting you? Were people challenging you? Were you lost? What was happening? And then the most exciting one, this is the best one, I think, um, the new story. How is Jesus writing a new story in your life? What's your now I see moment? How have you seen God do a new thing in your life? And here's my favorite thing. Is that for most of us, we come to faith. We know that Jesus is alive and active, but we've just never taken steps to think about our own stories. And today, I want to invite you to think about your own story and the beautiful thing that God is working in you to help you see what you could not see. So here, take, take just a few seconds right now as Anna sings over us.
and then I'll dismiss us. story that God is writing through you. I want you even to invite God, pray, just ask him, Lord, bring to mind what, what it is you've done in my heart. Help me to see it, God. You know, the church has a rhythm baked into it to help us tell our stories. Sometimes, isn't it true, it's the hardest to tell your story of what God's doing in your heart here at church. Like it should be the easiest place to share about what Jesus is doing, but sometimes it can be tough. One of the rhythms that we have is by celebrating this Jesus flip, this new story through baptism. Baptism is simply, if you boil it down, you telling your story to others about how Jesus has changed your life. And we tell that story through some actions. It's by standing in water and proclaiming, this is the script that I used to be, that I believed. And then we dunk you to show you, it's a Jesus flip is actually the dunk. If you were wondering, it's not flipping off a di high dive, it's, it's this, it's, it's the dunk, which represents being buried with Christ. So appreciate Corey bringing Galatians 2.20 to us that I was crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, it's Christ who lives in me. And it's this moment of, I was buried with Christ but then Jesus has started this new thing in my life. He's brought me back from the dead and given me new perspective and new hope. And that's the story that we tell at baptism. And if you've never been baptized, I wanna give you this moment right here in the coming weeks. Uh, September uh, 19th is when we're gonna be hosting baptism services right here in our, in our service. And this could be a way for you just to share your story, just very simply to say, I was one way. I was blind, but now I see. If you want to find out more information about that, you can go to heartlandchurch.org baptism, or you can email our church office. We'd love to help you take this next step with Jesus down this ancient path. As always, we hope that, you, that this service has helped you take your next step with Jesus and that you, as you go from this place, will talk about what it is that God's doing in your heart. Until next week, we love you, Heartland. We'll see you later.